0: Welcome to Crossroads and Cauldrons. We are two witches with jobs, families, and busy lives just like you. We talk about weaving the web of community, practicing magic, and life in the Deep South. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Selena and you're listening to Crossroads and Cauldrons. I cannot tell you how excited I am today. Um, We have A special guest. I know I say that every time, but they are also special. Our special guest today is Danielle Blackwood, and she's going to be talking to us about her new book, A Lantern in the Dark. And if you're not familiar with Danielle Blackwood, she is a professional astrologer with over 30 years' experience. Um, She is also a registered counseling therapist. She's the author of The 12 Faces of the Goddess. Transform Your Life with Astrology, Magic, and the Sacred Feminine, and she is a passionate lifelong student of folklore, mythology, and depth psychology. Welcome to the show, Danielle. I'm thrilled to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: You know, I, this was my first um, of your books that I have read, and now I deeply regret just not knowing that the other one was out there, because <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back and read that one. Um I just got finished with uh, your book. Look how beautiful it is. You know, but they don't. Now they do. Uh, mm-hmm. A lantern in the dark. Navigate life's crossroads with story, ritual, and sacred astrology. I just—I actually—I have my copy, and I after I finished reading it, I bought a copy that I'm going to give to a friend of mine this weekend. But by the time the show's out, she'll already have it. So surprise, great lady, friend. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is an excellent book, and I don't know. That I've seen a whole book dedicated to exploring, you know, astrological transits and relating them to mythology and psychology in this way before. What inspired you to approach writing this book in, in the way that you did?
1: Yeah, Um my clients actually inspired me to do so because I would realize that when people would come to see me for the first time, they were usually at a crossroads. So I started looking at their, their astrological transits and, and saying, you know, and I would give them, you know, reams of, of PDFs and meditation Um guidelines and uh, journal prompts and things like that. And I thought to myself, why don't I just take all this information and put it into a book so that when people are going through those difficult times in life, that that they can have that that place to go to where it's all right there for them. And that's why it's called A Lantern in the Dark. So basically, I wrote this book as an alternative way of gaining insight during the difficult passages in life, using sacred astrology, mythology, and therapeutic ritual to, to get through those times. So in a nutshell, that's basically what it's all about for me. So, yeah. So I think that when when people find themselves in a dark night of the soul, the usual ways of understanding the deeper aspects of where we're at can fall short of the mark. We, we intuitively know that we need something a little bit more than just the conventional ways of, of getting through these times. So I feel that when we're in these places, we often have this feeling that we just want to uncover the meaning beneath the events that are unfolding on the surface of our lives. And we get this feeling that the times that we're going through are, are important rites of passage. So yeah, that's kind of the, what what it's all about.
0: You know, you mentioned, um, and of course the title of the book. Now I'm a, um, I'm a priestess of Hakate. So when I see this, it mm. just rings all my bells. Um, so you talk about a crossroads. Now we are also the crossroads, um, Crossroads and Cauldrons podcast. So yes. tell me, we, we've talked a little bit on this show about you know, what we consider the crossroads to be in, um, in an esoteric sort of occult technology sort of way. So what, is, what do you consider a crossroads as a moment in time, a moment mm-hmm. in your life cycle? You know, And how does that relate to you know the cosmic crossroads i think i kind of think that's yeah. what your book is bringing together for me anyway
1: yes absolutely so there are distinct times in life that everyone experiences around the same age when uh, when we're looking at astrology so a lot of people have heard about the saturn return which happens it happens around 2930, but we do start to really start feeling those themes on our, our horizon around age 27. I'm just going to take this out so I can hear myself talk better. Um okay. So, yeah, I'm really good with just one headphone, not two. So um, I do that at home as well. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, Yeah, all these things you learn about being on on tech, right? Anyway, so the first Saturn return is the first and the most um, important milestone in the human lifespan to that date. So it is a time of challenge and confusion a lot of times. It's a psycho-spiritual passage that grows us up in a very profound way. So a lot of people will, I see a lot of people breaking up with a partner and conversely, a lot of people getting together with someone who is the love of their life around that time that they stay with for a very long time, if not forever. Um, A lot of people will have a first child around the first Saturn return or commit to a path with that has meaning. So it's like you come through your twenties and you suddenly say, wow, okay, it's time to get real because Saturn is the principle of reality. Saturn brings everything home exactly as it is, not as the way that we wish it could be. If we're coasting or in denial in any way, Saturn will say, okay, it's time to step up to the plate. And these are the consequences if you don't. But Saturn is also the god of harvest, which a lot of people forget. So we if we're doing our work and really sort of being realistic about what we're supposed to be accomplishing around that time, it can be a time uh, It can be a wonderful time, actually, where it's still going to be hard work, but you're getting the rewards and you're seeing what that hard work is getting you. So that's the first transit that I I talk about at great length in the book. And I use the story of um, Vasilisa in the Baba Yaga, the the Slavic folk tale to illustrate the the first Saturn return, because it really, um, it's a coming of age story. And let's face it, the Saturn return is about coming of age in a very pivotal way. So it's also about I think that Baba Yaga is a very saturnian figure. She's a very saturnian teacher. She's tough. She mm-hmm. does not suffer fools gladly. She will make um and she makes the character Vasilisa the protagonist really go through a series of tasks before she gives her the light to she which she takes back to her to her home to to light the fires. But anyway, it's it's a wonderful story that I think people can get a lot of of Um, meaning out of if they're in that particular juncture and uh, it really helps to to light the way if we make space for that. So that's the first one. Do you want me to talk about the rest of them right now, or
0: I, I do want to talk yeah. about uh, some of those yeah. other transits a little bit later on. I want to get no back problem. to um, so yeah. these moments in your life that you're describing as crossroads moments. These are your sort of mm. dark night of the soul. These are your pivotal transition moments in your life, um, mm-hmm. and they they occur throughout. And as you mentioned in astrology, they they tend to happen within the sh- same time period um, in astrology that, mm-hmm. you know, these planets are returning to their ruling sign or, you know, in some other aspect to where they were on your birth chart. So how do we sort of see, um, okay, hold on a second. Let's take a moment. Let me just breathe for a second. So when you're okay. talking, let's let's talk a little bit about what that darkness is, what that entails, because I think there's a lot of uh, sort of spiritual bypassing in a lot of the New Age movement um, In in sort of just trying to not think about all the dark stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about darkness because I don't see it that way. Um, Mm. I see it as um, sort of this ground for potential and this ground for renewal and rebirth and growth. Um, It's an opportunity to really step into who you are you know, and, mm-hmm. and release things that are not serving you that we're holding on to. So let's talk a little bit about darkness because your, your book is a lantern in the dark. You know, this is like, what's a lantern in the dark. It's a way to see a way to navigate and progress through the darkness. It's not dispelling the darkness. So let's talk about that a little bit. What do you, what, do you yes. like, what are your thoughts about darkness? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think darkness is, is beautiful on many levels. Darkness is the womb. Darkness is um, the earth and under the ground before the plant that shoots up into the sunlight. So there are some really beautiful, wonderful things about the dark. It's also shadow work, which is, as you probably know, is a very integral part of becoming whole. So with my usage of the word dark, It means simply an absence of light. So when you are in these tough times, these crossroad times, and it does feel like you can't see your feet in front of you because there isn't enough physical light to see where you're going. So that's what it's about in in that regard. Um, There's a wonderful quote by Joseph Campbell that talks about, I wish I could remember it Right off the top of my head, I don't have my book on the table, but he talks about how um, the dark night of the soul comes just before the new light and the the new life and the new dawn. So, so it is really a time of gestation. It's a time of going within, of learning about your the you know the inner levels of who you are, and it's necessary. I think that. Mm-hmm. You talked about spiritual bypassing and all this sort of new age um, thinking around darkness and light. And I don't think it is very useful or helpful in a lot of ways. I think if you have light, there has to be darkness. And Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, did say that when someone is too much, has too much light, they have a wallop of a shadow behind them. So, Mm, mm -hmm. so. It's about balancing the dark and the light. It's about also moving into those times of darkness and understanding them for what they are, treasuring them even, because that's when I think that we learn some of our greatest lessons. We have come across some of our greatest teachers. We can do some serious healing in those so-called dark times in life. Oh, I
0: agree with you there. And I think that there's some confusion, perhaps, about What light is. Like to me, I don't perceive light as positive, happy, glowy. Mm -hmm. That's not light. To me, light is consciousness. So it's about bringing awareness and understanding and consciousness to these things that we don't want to look at and don't want to learn about ourselves, you know, and don't Mm want to let go of. Um, Yes. So I agree. I, I love this book because it's all that. It's that's all that meaty stuff the whole way through. Um, I'm not so, afraid of the dark. <laughs> nah, nah. yeah Let's um, let's talk a little bit about archetypes and um, sure. the way that archetypes are discussed in uh, in psychology. And I, I don't know. I like to think that Jung was a witch. In my in my mind, and my heart, I'll forever <laughs> think that. No one can change my mind. Uh, but yeah. I. But, you know, we talk about archetypes and and these are themes that play out over and over. We see these patterns repeating over Mm -hmm. and over. Um, Mm -hmm. And I consider these archetypes to be frequencies of consciousness. I I feel like Mm -hmm. these are living consciousness. Um, So I call them archetypal beings. So let's talk a little bit about working with archetypal beings through... Mm -hmm. um, through these different transits, you talked earlier about Saturn return. So working with mm-hmm. Saturn, working with that, um, that energy of Saturn that is real and alive, and bringing that into your practice to help you better understand, bring more consciousness mm-hmm. and awareness to whatever it is that you're
1: processing in those moments. Yeah. So their um, archetypes are... Can be seen as as beings as um you know Saturn or Hecate or um, Aphrodite there they are they all do have their archetypal dimensions but at the same time also stories have archetypal dimension Um, there's archetype is it's a very broad category um sometimes people like to especially now I've seen this a lot on social media what is your archetype and it's just like so trite <laughs> I'm sorry to say but and they they think that there's this finite sort of list of archetypes that you're one or the other it right is like so much I deeper. see those all the time
0: yeah. <laughs> pardon me the, I see that, that all the time and it drives me crazy the same thing yeah, with same. witchcraft like are you a green witch are you a, a crystal witch like I know stop, stop
1: it's just trying to sort of <laughs> (laughs) define things into these categories that we can just sort of have as bite-sized little pieces. So I think that whether we realize it or not, we're all playing out stories from myth, legend, fairy tale, folklore, and archetypal themes also show up at transitional times in our lives, like times like say meeting someone significant or the end of a relationship, um, times of serious illness or grief or loss, those are archetypal times in our life, and I think it when when we're in those times, it can feel like we're aligning with a story that feels so much bigger than what's actually happening, what's actually playing out. Sometimes it will feel strangely familiar, like we're it's just on the edge of our consciousness, but we can't quite put our finger on it. But it feels like I know this story. I've I've heard it somewhere. This feels epic in some way. So I think that reflecting on the deeper meanings that are woven into all of our stories in our lives can be illuminating and healing. And um, reading archetypal story and myth can really help us shift our consciousness and see through an archetypal lens, which I think is one of the most important things if you are learning astrology or witchcraft or psychology, learning to sort of see the world through that archetypal lens, the symbolic lens is is really one of the best and most basic things to do as you start before you move into your journey. So, so yeah, I mean, asking yourself what myth that you're living out, or if you're in a specific time that something's going on, does it remind you of a story and myth or legend, or even in film? Because archetypes reverberate through film as well through all of our our, yeah yes so asking yourself does it remind you of anything does does a story come to mind um what character are you playing Mm -hmm. so yeah and then even looking back on your life and asking yourself what what was happening there what insights did I gain or what wisdom was given to me then so I do think that Um, Especially in my first book, The Twelve Faces of the Goddess, it's all about aligning goddess archetypes with each sign of the zodiac and talking about their myths and their stories and how you can tap into that and bring some of those qualities into your life that are desirable. So that being said, um, sometimes people are living out archetypal stories and myths that they're unconscious of and it's not the greatest thing in the world. Like a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people are living out the story of the martyr in some way, the scapegoat. And they're, they're, why do I keep getting into these situations with the same people and the same relationships over and over again? It's because they are stuck in that archetypal field of resonance and they don't, they're not conscious of it. So I think that, you know, illuminating that can be so helpful because you can snap out of it very quickly and just say, wait, wait a second. I don't want to be identifying or aligning with this right now because it's not useful to me or helpful. So there's that. Absolutely. You know, it's,
0: oh God, God. sorry, I think we've got a little delay. So we sort of talk over each other. Um, One of the things you said while you were talking there about um, resonating with story and resonating with you know, a lot of these myths and these archetypal tales, like if you, if you study uh, different cultures throughout history, you're going to see these same stories that resonate different, different names, different characters, maybe not exactly the same telling, but you see these same types of stories, these same archetypes playing out over Mm -hmm. and over. And they resonate with us today. As you mentioned, we're still creating Mm -hmm. stories that they're t- retellings of the same stories um, because there is a truth to that, because there's a mythic truth that resonates with what we experience, you know, as humans. And these tales, you know, they're still being told the same exact tales are still being told today because for a reason they they resonate with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one of the things you said was that. um you you sort of feel like it's on the edge of memory. I don't know whose quote this is that I'm stealing, but um, I'll have to go back and find whose quote this is. Uh, but it's um, that witchcraft is the practice of things half remembered and half forgotten. Mm. And, mm. you know, that brings that to mind. And it's that half forgotten part that when, this is where we approach things unconsciously and we sort of fall into these traps of, you know, playing out the story that Mm -hmm. you don't want to be the ingenue in that story. You know, you want to, you want to take on a different role. So um, when you're working with, with, when you bring that myth into your experience ritually and you either change from that story or continue that path to its fruition, like you can see where it's going to go. Once you recognize, okay, this is the archetype I'm playing right now. This is where it's leading me. Is this mm-hmm. what I want to do or do I want to make a different choice? How mm-hmm. did you approach bringing ritual into, um, into this, these healing practices? Cause that's really what they are. We're talking about, you know, your, your, your crossroads moments, your dark nights mm-hmm. of the soul, the, the moments where you're going through some shit, you know?
1: Yeah, what for sure. Your- so yeah, each, um, each of the crossroads that I talk about in the book, there's six of them all together. Um, they they all all of them resonate with with different themes so they all have sort of a different character a different flavor so to speak so the same similar things come up for people again and again when they're going through one of those times and so what i thought is um because i'm also a therapist is therapeutic ritual, you know, I mean, I've been a witch for 30 plus years, but I started thinking, what about therapeutic ritual, like ritual that can really help us with the specific themes that are coming up during those times that are aligned with, with the types of, um, you know, the archetypal um, motifs that are coming up at those times. So for instance, with, um, I talk about again, with the um, Saturn return, just as an example, the first Saturn return, um, I believe the ritual I have in there is um, a threshold crossing ritual. Yes, it is. is that's that's exactly what it is. No, thank you. It's <laughs> been a while since I, I mean, I wrote the book, but it's been a while <laughs> since I've picked it up and read all the way through it. Right. And yeah, the um, one with the keys. <laughs> yes. Thank you. There is a ritual mm-hmm. with keys in, um, in the first chapter, isn't there? Yeah, yeah there is. I've got to find um, it now. You keep talking. Yeah. And then there's the midlife transits. Do you want me mm-hmm. to jump into those now or hold? Wait yeah, actually on that's now? right
0: where I was going. I was going to say, um, yeah. and we can talk a little bit more about the Saturn return. I know my first sure. Saturn return was, uh, it was a ride. I was actually doing, I was actually um, still in mystery school at that point and we were doing our, um, our shamanic year and we were working through working, doing shadow work that year and I've got Saturn and Pluto in Scorpio. So that was a good time. Um, But yeah, that, that's, that's one of those moments that everybody remembers is the first Saturn return. Um, Oh, absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's past,
1: past the age of 30 will say, yeah, that was a, a time and a half for sure.
0: <laughs> yes. So yeah. the next, um, but the next mm-hmm. section, and I think people don't talk about this. And I think that Not leaves much. people, um, we talk about the second Saturn return too, a little bit as well, but mm-hmm. but m- most people don't really think about the midlife transits. And I think those right. are even more impactful than, it I think the first, the, Saturn, the first Saturn return is is so big because- it's the first big one you've had since you were like 18 or 15, you know? Um, well, it's really the
1: first really big one in your whole life, actually. Yeah. It's, it's like um, there's nothing quite as powerful as the first Saturn return up to that age. Yeah. So um, it people definitely wake up to that. It's like a cosmic crossroads.
0: <laughs> it really is. It really is. And which is yeah. so uh, appropriate with just the energy that Saturn brings, anyway. But um, yeah. but after that, I, I mean, after you've processed that, of course, it it's it doesn't seem as huge when you hit those midlife transits, and then yes, um, those really yes. are. That's where you really find out who you are, what you're made out of. I think, of course, I'm in the oh, middle completely. of them now. So,
1: yeah, and a lot of people aren't really, yeah, sure, and a lot of people aren't really expecting it. I mean, the midlife transits are what people often do refer to in society as the midlife crisis because there are actually four midlife transits. Um, There's the Pluto square, there is then the Neptune square, the Uranus opposition, and the Saturn opposition. And they all come so closely on each other's heels. Sometimes they overlap and it can really feel like that time midlife is an absolute roller coaster. So on one hand, it absolutely is a psycho-spiritual rite of passage where we can learn so much about what we're here to do. You know, what patterns have we settled into that maybe necess- that don't necessarily have anything to do with who we really are. Um, it can be a tenuous time for long-term commitments like marriage. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone's marriage is going to break up. That's absolutely not true. But people are really changing at that time. They're 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 really um getting in contact with new aspects of themselves that are emerging from the depths. And it's like, and when that happens, it can throw a lot of things off balance, even with work. I mean, I see so many people in my practice that are around 40-ish, and they suddenly are just like, oh my God, what, am I in the wrong career? I'm not really feeling any meaning out of this anymore. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? So there is a lot of that um, life review and soul searching. Um, they begin roughly around 37, between 37 and 40, we have the Pluto square, which can be, oh my gosh, it's a time when, um, yeah, things start really coming up. Um, anything that we haven't dealt with any old shadow work that we thought, oh, I've done that. You know, it's all in the past now that's when things can really come to the surface where you need to grapple with it in order to truly step into your power. So, um, So yeah, so then after that one is the the Neptune square, Mm -hmm. which is often I find, and this one happens around 40, 42, 40 to 42 ish. And I say ish because depending on your birth chart, it can be a little bit before, just a little bit after, but that's around the, the time that it happens. And, um. It can be a really strange time, the Neptune square. We feel things feel nebulous. It feels like we're swimming through a fog. Everything feels like the wine has no taste. You know that I just don't really know what has meaning anymore. A lot of people feel depressed or anxious. They feel like they are underwater, so to speak. It's mm-hmm. a. Um, it happens to everyone in their own specific ways right? Because we always have to look at life specifics and what is this person here to learn because they will experience it in their own way. But those themes will still be very similar. It is a time of going deep and creating a spirituality on our own terms. So that's what it's the purpose of it is. So the first one, like I said, Pluto square, If we were to distill the purpose of that into one very small sentence it would be to reclaim our power in a grounded and graceful way this the neptune square would be to surrender and to tune in tap into a more spiritual bigger transcendent meaning in life and then third we get the uranus opposition which kind of is the one that I think is closest to what people consider like the midlife midlife crisis, because Uranus the planet is the planet of revolution and liberation and upheaval and all of these things. So when Uranus in the sky is opposing the Uranus in our birth chart, it's like all of a sudden, whatever felt stable or secure can just, it's like the tower card. It can just explode. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's um, a lot of times what, what happens, people will look back and go, I see why that had to happen. So what's going on here is that we need change in our life, but we can co-create how that change is going to manifest by being conscious of where we're stuck in a rut, what little messages we're getting from the universe that we're ignoring. And I think that if you are to do that, it's like that upheaval won't be quite as shocking. It'll be more like, okay, I'm, you know, bringing change in in small ways, small, manageable ways will feed that inner need for, for something to shift. And it won't have to feel like the universe coming along and pulling the rug out from underneath us. So that's kind of the character and nature of the Uranus opposition in a very, very short nutshell, but (laughs) a small nutshell. Um, The fourth one, and the final one is the Saturn opposition. So the Saturn, every seven years, we have a Saturn cycle. So You have your Saturn um, return at around 30. At around 37, you have the Saturn square, which I haven't talked about. And then your Saturn opposition around 44 to 45 is it's like 14 years since your Saturn return. So Saturn again is there with his clipboard and he's saying, okay, what have you done? And what have you learned since your Saturn return? Have you been ignoring the lessons? Have or have you been working hard with what is with you know, reality and building a life of substance and meaning. And if you're still in, you know, relationships that aren't working or jobs that have nothing to do with who you truly are. Yes it will be a testing time. It absolutely will be. On the other hand, the, always remembering that Saturn is not just the bad guy. And if we have been really working hard and continuing to look at our, what? hold on. Oh, sure. Goodness. I know <laughs> talking so long, just one sec. It's not easy, you know, <laughs> It's just part of the job. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's why I'm constantly drinking coffee when you're talking.
1: (laughs) Oh, good idea. Keep Mm. everything lubricated. Keep everything (laughs) warm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, as I was saying, so the Saturn return, or sorry, opposition can also be a wonderful time where we step up to the plate in some way and um, really see the fruits of our labors. So it can manifest either way depending on how we've structured our lives because that's what Saturn is all about it's about structure it's about Mm -hmm. how did how like whether we unconsciously or consciously structured our life in a certain way Saturn will show you these are the consequences of how you've structured your life for good or for for not so good so those are the four midlife transits and Yes, they can be um, very tumultuous, but they definitely teach us what we need to know. And by the time that they're over, it's um it's kind of wonderful, <laughs> really, because you you have learned a lot about who you are. Hopefully, you're on the path that you're supposed to be on now. You've made some tweaks, you've made some adjustments, and um, so this is that's a, a pretty great. And uh, yeah, and then the fourth one is the second Saturn return. Saturn literally returns to the place that it was when we were born by degree and sign every approximately every 29 and a half years. So you'll have your second Saturn return when you're almost 60, so 58 to 60. And then if you're lucky enough to live that long, you'll have a third and final Saturn return at around 90. So the second Saturn return, which I do write about in A Lantern in the Dark, you're once again, you're at that that sort of threshold, but and it's a coming of age again, but in a very different way than it was when you're around 30. So now you are stepping into the phase of the elder or the wisdom keeper. You know, you've been through all of those midlife transits, you have learned a lot about life by the time you get to that place. And um, it can, it can, again, with Saturn, it can go Different ways depending on your consciousness and your attitude. Um, I've noticed on one hand, it can be wonderful for a lot of people because their kids have finally left the house usually by that time. Um, People who have menopause are usually out of it by that point. Um, So there's this freedom in a sense too. And it's also, we have to remember that Saturn rules time. So whenever we have a Saturn transit, time is so on our minds. So we're thinking, what do I want to do with the time I have left? So it can be a very sobering time where you really are called to look at the nuts and bolts of everything in your life and say, "What's on my bucket list? What haven't I done that still needs to be done?" So it can be um, a great time to take stock and to really, um, yeah, take the mantle of uh, the the wise wise woman or the sage on and uh, really step into that phase of the wisdom keeper in a conscious way for people who are resisting it. And that can happen because Saturn in its shadow also is connected to fear. So people Mm -hmm. can be like, Oh, my goodness, I'm getting old, you know, and they start getting very kind of Crystallized and dr- withdrawn, and it doesn't, you know, f- afraid. That's not the most constructive way to handle the second Saturn return at all. It's more about contemplation and really looking at the the deeper meaning that has been woven into all of the stories of your life. It can be a great time to become a mentor, or to, um, you know, just like I said, look at your bucket list and ask yourself what's left to be done that I really need to do before I leave here. So that's, there's lots more to it, but that would be the short version of, of the transits in the book. You know, I have, um, I know a lot
0: of people that are really struggling with that second Saturn return. And hopefully mm-hmm. when I get there, hopefully <laughs> I will have, uh, been open to the mm-hmm. messages from the other previous visits from Saturn. um, but I do know, and I have people in my family right now that are really, really struggling hard and, um, and they're right in that second Saturn return, but they mm-hmm. haven't, um, every time Saturn comes around, they have these crossroads moments and then they just sit in there with it and sort of wallow in it. And it's like, they cannot move past it. Um, right. you know, yeah. so as people are, Part of the whole point of why we study astrology at all is so that we can understand these patterns that are influencing us, you know, right. Mm -hmm. And hopefully once we become more conscious of those patterns, we can approach the what's coming with a little more awareness and a little more consciousness before we get to these difficulties. So, um, what, what advice would you have for people? You know, I'm not quite, I'm, I'm sort of, not quite into my I'm around the pluto square Neptune Square area, so you know, mm-hmm. looking ahead at my Uranus opposition, looking ahead at my second Saturn return, what are some things I can do now so that I can fully um, embrace the gifts of of those transits as they come? you know, how can I
1: prepare for what's coming in the future? Absolutely, so what I would say first is read about the archetypes that will be. Unfolding in your life at those times that are coming up. Get to know the archetypes. <laughs> so that would be the first thing that I would do. Um, also, learning the developmental purpose of the time that's on the horizon. Because each of these transits we talk about, they're not there to mess people's lives up or anything like that. It's there for a reason. It's like I don't. I hate that statement. I, I let me just reverse. Just reverse that. I don't like when people <laughs> say everything happens for a reason because it's just such a. Um, such a, one of those catch-all phrases that just doesn't really mean anything, but all of these, these (laughs) times do have a developmental purpose. There is something that is trying to be born or trying to emerge from your psyche during those periods. So the more that we sort of learn about what that is, I think the more we can work with it in a constructive way. And I also find that when people really know about it, yeah, they can engage with those archetypes, In a a beautiful way, rather than just having things sort of happen to them and then say, what's Mm -hmm. happening to my life? My life is falling apart. It's not falling apart. But there are some really pointed lessons that, let's say, the universe is trying to teach us during those junctures. So, yeah, I think yeah, reading about it, um, there's lots of practical suggestions that I have, too for each chapter Mm -hmm. in the book, things that we can do to kind of navigate through these times in different ways um, in terms of whatever the archetype is that's sort of showing up during that period of our lives. So there's that. There's um, therapeutic ritual that can be helpful. Uh, There's also some, for each chapter, there's also a guided meditation or pathworking that can really Help us reflect on the deeper meanings woven into these these pivotal times.
0: You know, and I think so, that yeah. makes a huge difference between that's the difference between sort of stepping into something um, in your sovereignty, in in your awareness, knowing what you're getting into, versus reacting to what is happening. You know, after it's happening. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, which is a huge that's a huge difference. It's a world I of difference. Agree.
1: So what would I you agree. say for, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say um, that we can never, we can't tell exactly what is going to happen during these times, but we do know for certain when to expect these times and the kinds of things that can come up. And I think that that's really helpful. So also too, it can be useful to look back on transits that you've already had And sort of say, okay, well, you know, sometimes people are carrying still to this day a lot of grief or trauma around some really, you know, intense things that have come up maybe around those times. So learning about past times as well can be incredibly healing when you shine that light on it and say, okay, this is what was supposed to be coming out of that. So it's never too late to understand whatever narrative was, was arising before you're good you that was my very next question you got ahead of me
0: (laughs) but no that's but that's and that's something too that you know if you picked up this book and you read it and you were like oh well gosh I'm already at my Uranus opposition so oh well to that other stuff no you can go back Mm -hmm. and explore those things I mean that's basically what shadow work is it's like what did you forget to process when you were at the age you should have processed it go back and do that Yeah, and Um, and, it's never
1: too late.
0: (laughs) No, and Mm -hmm. especially with those Saturn um, visits, visits from Saturn, um, you know, they're going to help untie the knots that are holding you where you are now, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. about, you know, it can be about restriction and things like that and boundaries Mm -hmm. and what's holding you back. Um, And it may not be something that's happening now. It may be something that has previously happened that's not dealt Mm -hmm. with, but that's, you know, that's pulling on the threads that are, that are holding you now, you know? So sometimes that stuff is hard to, it's hard to pinpoint because, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily happening as an event in your life in this moment, even though it's still affecting your responses and and what you, how how you react to things that are happening
1: now. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So,
0: This is this is really. I, I loved this book. I, I'm recommending it to absolutely everyone. I have a class full of people who are about to go into their shadow work, and I'm just going to be like, read this before we get started. Um, Great, thank so, you. Yeah. Yes, it's this is an excellent book. I do hope you have. Uh, I hope you have more books planned in the future. What have you got coming up? Oh.
1: Um- Well, uh, yes, I definitely am always writing. So there will be more books coming. I I can't say exactly what yet, but um, yeah. (laughs) Secrets, (laughs) secrets. (laughs) There's a few projects in the works. It's just that they're still kind of unfolding. That's why. So so there's that. And I'm also teaching classes online on Zoom, live online classes. So, and what I am doing is, offering classes connected specifically to each of the transits that are in this book. So if you are at your Saturn return or if you're in your midlife transits or your second Saturn return, even um, there will be workshops for each of those. So you can look me up on my website, which is DanielleBlackwood.com, and my classes will be there once they're ready for registration. Um, Yeah. So, and I think that the first one is going to be dropping around July. So, so watch for that. I also do, um, monthly new moon classes or workshops, Mm -hmm. which are, I think they're really great, really fun. So, (laughs) so you can connect with me that way as well. Wonderful. That's
0: awesome. So, so tell me, um, you you can't tell us what specific books you have coming up next because those are in process. But what yeah. if if there's mm-hmm. a project or a thing that you want to do um, and it doesn't have to be in the works, it doesn't even have to be a fully fleshed out idea. What's the thing? What's the big thing you want to accomplish before <laughs> before the <laughs> end? <laughs> ominous right question (laughs) I know it's my favorite question I'm a Sagittarius so I apologize oh okay okay Uh, I mean explains a lot doesn't it
1: (laughs) I'm an Aries so I that's great we gotta get along (laughs) yeah yes yes um oh my gosh um the big question the quest right the quest Um, yes (laughs) well I would think that I well I would like to continue writing books that bring in magic and astrology and alternative ways of knowing and combining them with mental health. And um, I think that that that's really what I'm here to do. So looking at both of those things and then finding the bridge between them so that people can use them to better their lives or to understand more about where they're at. Other than that, um, I have been, Playing with the idea for a while of writing fiction as well. So, I do have a, a book in mind that I can't tell you too much about. I hear but you knocking is... on wood over there. No, 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 I just dropped my bracelet. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> no, knocking on wood, yes. But, um, yes, so it will be historical fiction, which I am just super passionate about. And it will be witchy, but it will be, how do I say this? Um, I actually wrote a list of I'll just tell you I recently wrote this um list of my favorite witchy books that do not insult your intelligence because I got to say, it drives me crazy, some of the stuff that's out there. So I would like Mm -hmm. to write a book that is just beautiful and deep and rich and layered, but also really connected to some good, solid historical research. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm I'm working on as we speak. So I'm going to read that for sure. (laughs) That sounds right up my alley.
0: Excellent. Well, yes, uh, please keep writing. Please keep writing these books because I think that's... (laughs) I think that's vitally important work and I think it's needed because so much of, um, even, even in occultism and witchcraft, there's so much that just disregards mental health and how Mm -hmm. it's related to your spiritual practice. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's very damaging and very harmful and we've got enough religions that do that shit. We don't need to do that. You know, we're, we're the healers, right? This is, this is our work and this is your work and you're, you do it so so beautifully. Please keep Thank doing so it. And, Thank you so much. Thank you. Come back. Come back when you get, come back anytime, but definitely when you get your next books, please come back and talk to us about it. Um, you told us our listeners can find you at danielleblackwood.com. You're also on Instagram, Danielle Blackwood Astrologer. And check out her books, The Twelve Faces of the Goddess. I haven't read that one yet, but I'm going to read it. I'm going to buy it tomorrow. Um, and A Lantern in the Dark. It's fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. And it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, Danielle. Thank you, thank so, you much so much for Selena. the show.
1: Thank you and for thank having me. It's been fun. Anytime.
0: Anytime. And thank you all for listening to the show. We'll see you on the next episode. Blessed be, everyone. Blessed be. Thank you all so much for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. It helps us get our podcast in front of more listeners just like you. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can leave us a voicemail by clicking the link in the description of this episode, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Crossroads and Cauldrons Podcast.